Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to episode 11 of the AI Comic Pod. This week it's me and Stu uh, running solo again, just going to be discussing the Arrow. Um, We've been itching to do this for a while. Uh, Stu's, well, infamously one of Stu's favourites. Yes. And and recently one of mine. So Stu, let's start from the top then. Um, You presumably watched Arrow from day one. Yes, I did. As soon as they announced this. I was over the moon. As you've said, one of my all-time favourite characters. I've read bits of him on and off since I was 14, something like that, maybe 13. Always wanted them to do it on on either the big or the little screen. And I've always wondered why they couldn't do it, because he's essentially, it's Batman with a bow and arrow. Yeah. To- to- totally realistic. Could, In fact, if anything, it's probably more realistic than Batman, because he doesn't have all the gadgets. The majority of the time, especially in the TV show, it's just normal arrows. They haven't gone down the route of, say, the way Marvel did with Hawkeye, where he's got this magical electronic uh, quiver that all of a sudden has multiple different arrows in. Oliver is just shooting bog-standard ones, so you never know. It could happen. Maybe it's even me and we just don't know yet. (laughs) You did say, I I must say, this is much more plausible than the last time we discussed this universe where you said the flash yeah the flash meta humans that that really could happen well you don't know i mean i i, I haven't found any chemicals that have worked yet so far i've only given <laughs> myself a nasty rash but i'm not running i'm running quicker to get to the bathroom but i'm not running quicker like the flash so i'm i'm Shame. working on it i'm working keep trying on it. keep trying I will. Mate. so from my perspective i hit the arrow much later in fact i hit the Ooh. arrow in the last few months um yeah. So I, I said on the Flash pod that we did that I did watch it at the time and I just, I didn't get it because I, I didn't have the background as you did. And, and to be honest, when you, until you get into it, it does feel a little bit like a, like a Batman light. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, it came out 2012. Um, God, is probably, that how old it is? 
Yeah, it's been out oh, quite a number of years now. It's four years. Because um, obviously it's four seasons in. So I always I think, forget you know, that. Yeah, so it's probably one of the longest running, actually, because um, we're, we're, they're commissioned for season five. So they, yeah, they've been pushing it every year. And it's probably one that's probably kicked off. Well, obviously it sparked all the crossovers a little bit with, with The Flash and, and made CW a big network for this kind of um enterprise so it's it's it is a it's a it's a big big series to consider we're going to be talking series one and two because you, you know we can't cover all that in, the, in there's the whole... just too much to do plus season four is not finished yet so no exactly if, if, um, if we uh, if we work on it in little bite-sized chunks exactly so i mean the premise is is, is quite simple as you said you know it's it's your typical kind of uh multi-million billionaire playboy kind of lifestyle and the kind of twist here is that he he gets marooned on a, a desert island for five years well he's not always on the island but you know that's that's what it sells it as you know he's marooned it's where he's learned his skills and to be honest the whole thing through the first series that i really love is when they do flash back to the island because it just gives you more of a taste of, of the kind of extreme measures he went through and it doesn't pull any punches in fairness to it. And that's what I like about it. It's very, it's quite edgy. It's not daredevil edgy or even Jessica Jones. It's, it's, it's a different style of production because it is still made for the mainstream audiences, but um, there's some pretty brutal scenes in that, that first series. Yeah, there are. And I wasn't too sure about the, the Island stuff. Sometimes I found it, they, they were very good. You, it really aided the character development, didn't it? You, you certainly got yeah. to see a logical progression from billionaire playboy who who couldn't save his life if he, if he depended on it up to the point where he realised, well, he had to because his life did depend on it. And all of a sudden, he, he's overcoming all of his fears and all of his inabilities. And in a way, I, I sort of likened it to the, the more recent Lara Croft games where Lara Croft starts off and she's useless. She can't hold a gun. But as she goes on, she becomes more proficient with guns, bow and arrow, building fires. And that's exactly what we've seen with Oliver until, you know, he's been on the island for a little while. And, you know, he's he's killing his own stuff. He's running his way around the island like he, he was born there. And yeah. It, 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 yeah. It's definitely given an added realism. You can certainly see that that would sort of give you the drive, you would think, wouldn't it, in this context to do something rather than just... If this was done at home and it was just, I've gone to the gym, I've bulked up, I've then gone and seen an archery specialist, it's a bit like, well, yeah, but where's the motivation? What are you yeah. actually doing it for? Exactly. And the motivation is, is what kind of drives Oliver to, to, you know, stay alive, really, and, and to obviously wants to go home and see his family, but he, he, um, kind of inherits a, a black book of who he feels are his father's you know, enemies as such. And it kind of turns out that his father was, I don't know, fighting on the wrong side and on the right side. And it's, it's very, you know, until you get into it and into the depths of it, it it's got a lot of twists and turns, which is what I kind of liked about it. Cause there's a lot of characters you think, Oh, that's quite expected. And then there's a lot of characters. It kind of throws you a curveball, And I think that was what I enjoyed about it because it was, there is character development, and I think, like we said with the Flash, it's a little bit different. Where I think the Flash can take each episode as it comes, and I think if you don't, you know, I think with the Arrow, if you 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 know, you get the synopsis of what happened last week, it's that kind of premise where 
it's it's going back to what's happened because it's a developing story each week, although there are individual kind of bad guys that he encounters along the way. So, yeah, I, I, I was surprised by it because, as I said, first time around, a little bit sceptical and, and didn't really give it the time of day. And then I've come back around and once you really get into it, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I think the first season, especially halfway in, just really kicks on and it's a really good standalone series. Yeah, what one of the interesting things about it is, I think, that now they're halfway through the fourth season and they are still doing flashbacks to the island. They have never once stopped doing them it's just yeah every time they go back you see oliver is at a different stage in his life and obviously he's he's moved away from the island he's then ended up gone back for a completely different reason but whatever happens in his life he always seems to end up going back to the island and we've even seen it i've got a feeling i might be jumping ahead to season three you are in the present day he's even gone back there so there's something about that place that just keeps pulling him back in and certainly I, I thought in the, the the first two seasons, the main thing that made it so watchable was it was 100% relatable. There was no powers. There was no, no super villains. There was no, you know, no mystery or cosmic anything. It was just normal people with weapons and drugs and guns and what have you. It, it was totally believable, exactly in a, in a Batman sort of sense. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, it, you know, the the parallels with the with Gotham and and you know, quite it it distincts it away from being like Star Labs and and all that kind of element of the Flash, where it it, it tries to strip it away that it is more about the drugs and it's more about you know, uh, links with cartel and and links with various other elements of it, and it doesn't try and delve too much into the other side of the comic book universe which which is good because i think when you look at and we talk about daredevil and particularly at the moment and jessica jones and, and obviously the way the way that's going all of those people into line in you know in hell's kitchen and uh in some way or another and i think the way they've combined the flash and the arrow is being completely separate uh, and Barry Allen's approach to things being completely separate um, to the way things are approached there. It's, it's, it's good because you, you do get the differential, but then they do connect it quite well, which, which we've said, you know, is a bit of a failing of, of people that operate within the DC kind of universe. So I think this is the one that might have triggered things in the right direction, in my opinion. Yeah. And it, I think I can understand why CW with a brand new IP like this for a, a reasonably well-known character, you can see why they wanted to do the, the softly, softly approach the same as Marvel did with agents of shield. They didn't want to just go in and say, right, we're going to start dealing with the occult and glowing tattoos. And the Island has got a mystical power that goes right to its core and all these yeah. things. Because people would have just gone, oh, God, this is so heavy going. So let's do two seasons of just men and women with guns and knives and what have you, and let's make it relatable, get people in, get the characters really solidly developed, and then let's start gradually branching out. Whereas with The Flash, they were able to say, right, well, we've got a core group of people now that we'll watch. We can just start throwing all kinds of wacky shit in. Yeah. And now people won't find it too much. 
And I think the Flash kind of established itself like that, like straight away. Minutes, these are the minutes. characters within, yeah, within minutes or at least within the first kind of couple of episodes, you got to know all the major characters. Um, and obviously there's development within that, but I think, I think the arrow does take its time and it does try and probably introduce more characters and more elements to it because, you know, the first kind of half of season one, it's about him obviously coming back to reality becoming the arrow and he's obviously still very raw at it at that stage um and discovering the kind of corruption that's going on with his with his mum and and with the ship and and building his relationship back with his with his sister and all those kind of elements and with laurel so i think it does it does kick on in the second half of the season when you kind of you realize that he's still not quite broken you know he still very much sees his mother is the shining light and, and all that kind of stuff. And then when that kind of clicks, he just becomes a bit more of a badass, which, which works. Cause you know, in the first season, in fairness, he's taking names, you know, yeah. um, season two is, is where he, he develops to being, well, Tommy died and I want to change my persona. I don't want to kill people. I want to put them away. But for season one, he's, he's killing left, right and center, which again is is quite believable because he's come from the island, he's come from this place of kill or be killed. It makes sense, doesn't it, that you would then translate that to the streets and say, right, well, if you're coming at me with a gun, I've got to put you down. I've got to make sure that you don't get me first. Yeah. And then I I like the fact that he's basically, he has peaks and troughs every year. So season one, he's a killer. Season two, he won't kill. But then as it picks up after season two, he then sort of is in the middle. So now it's like, well, sometimes I have to, but other times yeah. I don't. Yeah, so I mean, he wrestles with his emotion in in terms of the, the big character in season two is Slade Wilson, and and obviously the, the time is spent on the island. Um, he's excellent. I must say, Manu Bennett is, he is really just is. awesome. Um, I mean, that accent is just epic. But he's he's a really well established actor as well. I mean, he's. Um, He's been in a couple of the Hobbit films. He's in Spartacus. He's obviously spent some time in Arrow. You know, he's got a really good, really good kind of plot line. And the whole season two really hinges on him and Mirakuru and, and all the developments around that. And, and then Roy as well. So I think season two does kick on in other ways. But I did, I don't, I did like the raw element of season one because it didn't feel as polished and I, I kind of find that a bit better. And it, the actors that were very good, it did bring out the best of them. I think I've said before, there's a few that fillers that maybe aren't so great in Arrow. I'll Diggle. be honest. Well, I, I thought Dig- Diggle was very, very poor in the first couple of seasons. He's a bit wooden. Yeah. He, he was wooden. Any fight scenes that he was in, you could see his punches coming a mile off. And the fact yeah. that he's an, he's, he is an original character. John Diggle doesn't exist in the DCU. So you would have the, thought think, they could have made him more interesting. Yeah, know? that's the thing. If, if you've got nothing to base him on, you'd think that they would, they would want to go in there and make him more believable. But I think they, they do it, make him, they make him the moral conscience a little bit, which, which I kind of get because he's there to kind of, you know, steady out Oliver and, and, and yeah, kind of he's support very much him in that the, way. He's very much the angel on his shoulder, isn't he? He's the one that all yeah. several times he's having to pull him back from the brink and just try and hold on to that last, that last little glimpse of his, yeah. his humanity. Because Felicity's kind of the opposite end. I think Felicity knows when something needs to be done, you do it. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think she has got someone, a dark side. Yeah, she has actually. And, and Diggle I think you doesn't see that. Seem to. Diggle's like the ultimate paragon. He's, no matter what's happening, 
when it's personal, he always seems to have the opinion of, you know, don't kill people, let's capture them, let's do things right and keep yeah. things official. Whereas, like you say, Felicity, just once or twice has been like, he's got to die, you know, that this has got to happen. Yeah, I think the only time you really see him step out of that is is when he's after Deadshot. But uh, even then, Deadshot. it still feels a bit forced. Do you know what I mean? And he's still kind of too soft to pull the trigger. I, I De- love the fact that they brought Deadshot in. One of one of my favourite villains from the wider yeah. DC universe, very often associated with, with Batman. But not only did they bring him in, which I think is a bit of a risk, Yeah, but he was done absolutely brilliantly by Michael Rowe. He, he, he was one of those, he wasn't in it very much, but when no. he was in it, he was absolutely perfect. And there was a nice bit of interplay between him and him and Diggle. You really did get a sense that there was a genuine personal vendetta between yeah, them. Yeah, you did. And and the, when it touches and when it kind of shows the Suicide Squad and those elements, I do think it's good because it's a bit of an education for a few people who haven't, you know, obviously Suicide Squad's coming out this year, a huge cast, absolutely monumentally big cast. But you obviously get those elements in here and, and the links through the DC network and stuff. And I think this series is quite a good one for, for people wanting to kind of discover DC because everyone knows Superman and Batman. That kind of goes without saying. And obviously there's a, a huge film release. But I don't think many people know the other elements of it. I think the way that Marvel have done it by doing... Because the Arrow probably comes across as an equivalent of a Netflix series, really. I mean, I think it's 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 a bigger character in DC than it's it's the equivalent of Hawkeye, really, in terms of the, obviously the stature and the Flash is probably a little bit more well known in, in in DC terms. But I just think you know Marvel introduced those characters early, Iron Man films, standalone Captain America, you know, obviously the Avengers, everything kind of came together in a in a in a very smart correlation of things, but. You haven't had that with DC. So I think the Arrow is a good kind of starting point for a lot of maybe not as experienced fans. I think it does introduce some things and open some eyes. And, and I think it's it's really well done. I think, you know, the, the guy that you have to congratulate most is probably Stephen Amell. Yeah, um, without a shadow of a doubt. He, he's, I, I don't know how well established he is. I, I don't know what he's done before, but all I know is I, I now consider him in the same way I would say, Chris Evans is Captain America. Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. Stephen Amell is Oliver Queen to me. He he is over the last four years. He has become Oliver Queen in every single aspect. Yeah, he's not going to be cast, is he, in the film? No, he's not. Which I've I must have winked about this about fifteen times. Yeah, I think we praised heavily on on is it Grant Gustin? Uh, Yeah, yeah, Grant Gustin. Yeah, we praised his performance obviously heavily on the Flash pod that we did. And I think he probably got a face for cinema. And I think Stephen Amell's the same. I mean, the guy's in incredible shape. And yeah. his, his, his action and fighting skills are actually really legitimately and good. He does, I think, he does a lot of that himself. I remember he doesn't do them so much now. Yeah. In the, in the first two seasons, he used to post a lot of videos on Facebook and Instagram of his training. Now, you know, the, the salmon bars thing where they, they jump up oh, that, the, the salmon ladder. Yeah, he does that himself as part of his training, and he also yeah. does parkour. And I remember yeah, watching one of tell. his videos, and he's he's running, climbing up walls, bouncing off things, but then he's doing heavy weights. He is in incredible shape, and he actually does a lot of his stunt work himself. Yeah, I so, don't know if Colton Haynes does as well, but Colton Roy's... Haynes does, and Colton Haynes is in surprising shape as well, considering he came into it. 
he was a model. You know, he, yeah. he made his break with, I think it was Abercrombie and Fitch. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's being cast as, to me, one of the quintessential characters. You know, Roy Harper was a very important character for, He's a bit, for, for he's, Green he's, Robin, he's Robin-esque, isn't he? He is. You know, I mean, he, of... it, go, it goes back to the, I was thinking about it the other day, it goes back to the, I, I think that during the sort of 70s, 80s, there was a bit of an obsession with what they used to call the ward, you know, the, the, the sidekick. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Bearing in mind, he was speedy. He wasn't, yeah. he wasn't um, Arsenal until much later. Yeah. He, the, the speed he was to Green Arrow, exactly as you've just said, what, what Robin was to Batman and, Roy was actually one of, probably part of, of um, Green Arrow's biggest ever storyline where Roy actually becomes a junkie. And there's a really famous cover where um, Oliver has become so fixated in his own problems and in his life that he's missed the evidence right under his nose that Roy has become addicted to heroin. And there's this picture where he said, it, you can see um, Roy sat there at a desk with a needle in his arm and it's saying something like, oh my God, my, my ward is a junkie. And it was a really big, big storyline. And I wondered if you were going to go down that route. And I think they sort of did with the Mirakuru thing. Yeah, and he did. I think he played that well because it did suddenly shake things up in that series. Um, and he's got I, the rage side down. When he when he rages out yeah. and he goes into full Mirakuru mode, he's, he's got a temper on him. And he has got a good convincing snarl as well. Yeah, he does. And I think, I think it needed that the second series because... I think the first series was all building up to, you know, to, to the earthquake machine, whatever the hell it was called, but building up towards that and building up with the black book and, and the elements with his mom. And that, that kind of crept up in series one. And I think a bit like the flash, I think series two maybe struggled a little bit with its direction. I, th- I think it's quite common practice other than daredevil that a second series will sometimes struggle because it's a bit like music where, um, you know, the writers of this will have put all their eggs almost in the first basket to, to make sure it works. And, and, and just it, in case they don't get the second one, because if you're a writer, you would hate, yeah. wouldn't you, to get to the end of your first season, be told that you're not getting a second and be kicking yourself that you didn't drop this story or this character or something. Exactly, exactly. And I think the difference maybe with, and, and I'm not trying to keep going biased and stuff, but I think the difference with a, with a Netflix is that they, they know they're going to make it for the longer term already because it's, it's their production. It's their money. Yeah. And they, they trust that it's going to be successful. And because they don't they know have the how same pressures, do they? they they've not got exactly. it out to a, a board of directors. Yeah, exactly. It, Cause you're not on that, that mainstream. You don't have to sell it internationally or, or whatever else you sell it on your channel. They probably know that Daredevil season one is going to play like this. We, we've already commissioned it for three or four series because we know that what we can do with it and we know it's going to link in with Jessica Jones and, and obviously other, other elements that come into the defendants. And I think, I think when you watch these kind of things, you, you know, season one is going to be here. And I, I think they know they were going to make flash season two straight away anyway. I just still think a lot of the great source material in that sense, it's a reverse flash get used up immediately. Um, I mean, the good thing with, with the arrow is they've kind of got license to use those elements of, of the DC universe without much obstruction. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing yeah. to hold them back. I mean, you know, there's all the elements of, of the league of shadows, which is really good. Oh, that, league, that's been superbly done. Yeah. I think Razel Ghul himself, 
isn't as convincing as I, I kind of hope him to be because I see him, I hold him in kind of heavy, heavy villain dumb. Do you know what I mean? I think he's he should be a bit more mysterious. But I think his daughter's good, and I think the relationship between them and Sarah um, is really interesting. Oh, that plays Sarah. throughout. Sarah is brilliant, not just because she's gorgeous, but in in those first couple of seasons, yeah, she's got the best fight scenes. She does. Katie Lotz is in cracking shape, and I think. I think all of the cast do a lot of their own stunts because some of them are so quick and they're so sort of multi-directional. It will, it must be very hard for them to get the, you know, the, the, the face is constantly being obscured by hoods and bear in mind, she's not got a hood. She's only got the luxury of hair whipping round. Yeah, so exactly. she, she's got to do a lot of that herself. And again, I've seen some of her training videos. You wouldn't piss her off. You really wouldn't get on her wrong side. Yeah, I think the only disappointing thing with her, I'm jumping on the season, so I won't do that. Um, <laughs> it's it's when she's brought back in all of a sudden and something dramatic quite happens. It's it's, it's it felt a bit forced, but um, the elements where she's in it, I do love the elements where they go back to when they're young because it's so badly acted. But yeah. I know it's supposed to be. But a young Stephen Amell with that floppy back oh, that awful early haircut hair. and. His voice is almost Beckham-esque. He's like another another being. He's not even the same. And I know that's the whole point, but I think it's a bit too overdone. Do you know what I mean? I Do you know what it reminds really, me of? Yeah. Friends. When they go back to prom days. Yeah, whenever, yeah. Fr- whenever Friends goes back, and all they can think to do for Jennifer Aniston is give her a dodgy nose. Exactly. That, that's all they do for Katie Lotz. They just give her a really big fringe. I mean, yeah. Laurel, I don't think Laurel ever has anything. I think she dresses a little bit more frumpy. But it's, so you've got a big fringe, frumpy clothes, and a floppy wig, and that is sort of that's supposed to denote them like, like 10, 15 10, years 15 ago. Fifteen years ago, yeah, and exactly. Bear in mind, Stephen Amell. I don't. Stephen Amell's got to be around our age. He's got to be early thirties. Yeah. So for him to be passing off for like a seventeen, eighteen-year-old, it's pretty tough going anyway. It is, and he's yeah. thirty-four. I think. Good. He did. Good. I wish does that I make you say, feel? Does that make you feel a bit sick when well, you're yeah, similar age to a man that looks I'm quite the, incredible? I'm the same age as him, and I've basically got the body of a, a cross between a 14 year old boy and an 86 year old woman. And he's in like you know he could run a mountain and the mountain would move out the way. So yes, I'm a little bit pissed off with him now. <laughs> so they get paid to do this, man. You know, I know. they get paid to do this. I was thinking that with actors, superhero. you just got to give them. They get paid. You know, I'll get into shape. You know, for six months, Chris Pratt, and lose all that fat that that made you look, you know, hilarious. real. Do you know what I mean? And hilarious. And now you're some ridiculously muscle-bound man that all the women fancy. So fair play yeah. to you. Do you know what I mean? Comedy with that body. It's quite a scary combo, you know. But that's what happens when you work in Hollywood, I suppose. So, yeah. um, And someone gives you a, a, a shot. And I think that's the thing with all of these. You know, the casting's probably really heavy on these things because, uh, you know, a lot of TV actors do the circuit. And I think the ones that started to cotton on went, oh, actually, maybe I should be in a, a franchise you know, where comic book franchise, because now they probably all want a piece of it. And you get some really well-established actors in, in some smaller roles. Um, you've got a few in the flash uh, popping up here and there. And, and you've got a few that kind of come in and out of this one. Um, the British guy. Um, I was just going to mention Detective Lance. Oh, you're going to mention Detective Lance first. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. He, he, I only found out, I think it was in the third season that he's actually from London. When you hear him talking, he's proper like this. 
And he's, he's, <laughs> is he really? He is. I was I was thinking Colin. Is it Colin? No, who is it? No. Who's the guy? Paul something. Oh, he plays he plays Moira's husband. Oh, him. Oh, yeah. He's actually British. Okay. No, oh, I know he is. You can tell he's in like Tomorrow Never Dies. He was in all the Bond films for a period of time. I think. Yeah, I saw him in something a couple of days ago. He's in Limitless, isn't he? The- that's where I most recently recognise him from. Yeah, but he's the, in a couple of the he's in a couple of the Pierce Brosnan Bond films. I remember him around that time. So he's quite a well established actor. But for him, it's probably just another. It's obviously just another gig. But but he does bring a bit to it actually, and I, I do like the elements of him and Felicity. And I think he introduces Felicity into it, which is obviously quite pivotal. And it, and he is good because he's he's. <sighs> He's got that British dryness that you always he get. Does. And it's typical. The way they've portrayed him is classic. Oh, God. He's America classic playing British. England. Yeah. They couldn't. The only thing that he's missing is a monocle and a bulldog under well, him. I did, I did wonder when he first appeared whether he was a butler. <laughs> <laughs> because he plays out like he's a butler. You know, he, he comes to the mansion. Um, and I thought, oh, Christ, you know, he's, he's the, the work associate, but now he's, he's actually married to her. And yeah. But it felt, it felt a little bit like he was the butler for a period of time. And, um, um, and I still like to look at him in that kind of mindset. Um, the he, other he British Canadian hybrid who, who obviously quite a, quite a big character, Malcolm Murder, uh, Malcolm Merlin, apologies. Um, what do you think of, I can't remember his name. John Barrowman. What do you think of John Barrowman's portrayal? I fucking love John Barrowman. I love John Barrowman in anything he has ever been in because he is instantly the best thing on screen whenever he's on screen. Yeah. He is. Admittedly, I was a little bit sort of wary because I'd read a bit about Malcolm Merlin and and I knew he was supposed to be the dark archer and what have you. But he's he's got a very, very convincing, very, very sinister look on his face. I I always associate him as being, you know, the the -the over-the-top, camp, flamboyant life of the party. But at the same time, he's got such a presence that when he's delivering a, you know, a a rousing speech to the League of Assassins or whatever, he, he still commands that every single pair of eyes is fixated on him, whether you believe him as a character or not. You can't not watch when John Barrowman's on screen. Yeah, and I think it's interesting casting because I think, like you said, it's quite bold casting. But I think when he's a dark archer, he's, he's damn good. Um, he is. I'm not. I think he's well masked, uh, masked as such. So I'm not sure how much of his own, um, you know, stunt work he does. The guy's pushing fifty, but he might well do. Is you it? never know. Yeah, he's forty nine. He's in incredible out. shape. In fairness, and he is. He is good. I like the the scenes when he's with Thea um, in the second kind of pushing the third series as well, but towards the end of the second series. And I do I do like his character. I think he's I think the motives are quite hard to get behind. I don't think they quite get across the elements that him losing his wife and and all the the aspects of it and him abandoning Tommy. I think they try. And I think they try and do Tommy's part well, but I'm not sure he's an actor that holds it up completely perfectly i think i think that's the thing with it there are a lot of characters and a lot of character development and they throw a lot at it they are you know it's 23 episodes in the series so it's it's chunky material do you know what i mean that's a lot of lot of hours of of watching and a lot of hours of of, of trying to get those storylines together and i think some of it plays out really well but you can feel in the first couple of series that it's still a little bit rusty do you know what i mean and it's even now you feel like 
even television stepped on a gear. And I know it was only a few years ago, but it just feels like everything, because a new series comes out and it's slightly more advanced. When you look back on something that's four years old, it does feel a little bit dated yeah. at times. Yeah, it does. I mean, and I, I just wanted to echo what you said. Colin Donnell wasn't, he, he wasn't great uh, as Tommy Merlin. I think he, he was good for half of it. He, yeah. he, was, he was good when he was doing the party boy stuff when it was him and Oliver Terry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, but when it came down to the the real emotional stuff, he Terrible. didn't really sell it. He was a bit wooden, which is sad because that was the, the first. Well, that was, was the emotional kicker was in the first, you know, in the, the end of the first yeah, series, with, and, with and him, it didn't really work. I was kind of all right with him going. It didn't. So it was the thing that's supposed to push. Laurel over the edge, it, it's what changed, you know, the arrow into being who he is in the second series and changed his mindset. And, and it, I don't think it felt with me that that would have done it. I would have kind of been like, ah, yeah, yeah, he's gone. You I know, mean, I, I felt uh, as a viewer, I felt sorry for Laurel because obviously he, it, Tommy had chosen her, hadn't he? It, it, he had. It, it, yeah. She would. Uh, sorry, she she was stuck in two minds about who she, she wanted. Was. She's chosen him. He wants to be with her, and then you know he carks it. So I felt sorry for her. I felt sorry for Oliver losing his best friend, but exactly the same as you. I didn't feel as invested about him as say what's going on now with the with the ongoing mystery of who's in the uh, who's in the grave. We, we we'll touch on that when season four's finished. But I know who I don't want it to be, and if it yeah. is who I don't want it to be, I'm going to be fuming because I'm now emotionally invested in those characters. And it's yeah. not just that he was only in it as a regular for one season. You know, people, Cisco in the Flash. If anything happened to him after the first well, season, I would have given. Yeah, well, up. you felt like it did, and and that scene when it we talked about it, and that scene when it it looked like he was he was gone before they they actually changed the, the time parameters and paradox and stuff. That was like, whoa, this is heavy. This this you know you you're emotionally invested, and I think that's the key with all of this. I think before we we touch on a little bit more, we're just gonna have a quick break. You're listening to the Anfield Index podcast channel. 
Okay, we're back. So we were kind of touching on, on character development and emotion that goes into it. I wrote a piece, and I'm not ashamed to plug it at all to our six listeners um, <laughs> who probably all read it already. But if you want to read it again, that'd be a pleasure. Um, so I wrote a piece about Deadpool, and it's the first thing I've written outside of football, which is a bit strange. Um, I, I kind of I'm big into my films and, and television and stuff, so it's quite nice for me to branch out a little bit. And we are going to be pushing that element of what we do as well in the future um so i wrote about a kind of emotional investment we we've talked about on pods before about where an actor really wants it you can feel it so ryan reynolds and deadpool obviously wanted to get that project off the ground had some you know former failures um and and to be honest his, his career isn't that stellar if you be, if you're being honest you know he's a great actor and he's been casting some good parts but for a guy who was always known as being one of the most handsome guys in Hollywood and stuff, he's never really quite hit the high note. So for Deadpool, which you'd never think it would be, to hit those kind of numbers and, and that kind of success it has was probably mostly down to him. And I know there's obviously script involved and I know there's other actors, but he's the one that pushed the project and you can feel that it's his baby and all the input that he gives. I think, you know, Stephen Amell was just probably cast. Um, it's not the same kind of level of involvement, but you can feel it when a lead actor really wants to get his emotion across and he's a good enough actor to. It makes all the difference. I think the flash is the same kind of element. And I think you get it the same in, in, in Daredevil as such. And, and, you know, you need that in these series because when they don't have that, and we said it a bit like Captain Cold and stuff from The Flash and those elements where the acting isn't up to scratch, it suffers quite badly. Yeah, you horrendously. Don't, you don't believe it. You don't believe it. So you don't really care. And you're almost kind of wishing them not to be on screen for a period of time. Yeah. So your characters that you like do come onto screen and spend longer on screen. So I think the relationship between Stephen and, and, and Felicity Smoke, or the Arrow and Felicity Smoke, is the probably that obviously the undercurrent that goes through the second series and and kicks on into third and, and onwards and onwards. And well, funnily enough, I, w- I was actually going to pull you up on that. Um, mm. On the, the the first season was very the, the the whole show, considering it's a superhero show, it's yeah. very heavily built on interpersonal relationships. It is the, the first season is all about the Queen Clan. Their, their dirt, their secrets, you know, all, the, all the, the muck that holds them together because they're all holding secrets from everyone. And ultimately yeah. it drives them apart, but then it also pulls them back together. Where do you sit on the whole, this is totally controversial, on where sh- uh, who should Oliver be with? Should he be with Felicity or should he be with Laurel? See, from my perspective, I'm still in season three, so I'm not fully up to date. Um, so my opinion may be a little bit different than what it will be a season down the line, but Felicity for me. Um, Laurel is becoming badass in the points I'm up to and is starting to get her shit together. Whereas she'd gone through season two of being the kind of widower. She was fucking awful. I, I I wanted it in season two. I want, I love Katie Cassidy. She is just a stunning creation of just pure beauty. But I wanted her to get killed off because she was wooden. She was oh, she ha- she had a serious case of Claire Dane's face going on, and I've mentioned yeah. this once before. Every single scene, she's got wet eyes, like she's about to cry, and I am not okay with that. She was useless. And I do you know so what? Until until she's done round. Yeah, until there was a point actually where 
so she was hitting the pills and she was hanging out with Sebastian Blood, which really didn't work. I'm not sure about him actually as well, second series, because he's like the mini bad guy from, from the Slade kind of <laughs> complex. And it, I just don't know if he really worked. Um, he feels like a scarecrow light and it didn't really work for me because I wasn't, I didn't feel it. Do you know what I mean? Because Killian Murphy is, is an absolute A-list actor in my eyes. He's a, he's a stellar, stellar actor. He's Nolan will cast him in pretty much anything, which t- tells you all you need to know, in my opinion. And then you've got a, a guy who's just not very well portrayed. So when she starts going off with him and and hitting the drugs and, and AA and, and all the rest of it, and she loses her job, and I think she gets she gets disbarred or the equivalent. Do you know what I mean? It's... Um, it's just, it doesn't play out well. And she's just feeling sorry for herself. So um, that's kind of highlighted in the series when Oliver gets back with Sarah for a brief period of time and they have that family dinner and he basically tells her to get her shit together. And it's not all about you. And actually, as soon as that happened, the actress and, and the part just turned a corner and she was actually starting to turn around a bit in that second series and then comes yeah. good in the third and onwards. But I think throughout it, you know, we said Stephen Amell was great. But you've got to give it to Felicity Smoke, and you'll tell me the actress that plays her because you're very good at this. Oh, Emily Bet Rickards. Well done. Um, so I think she's great. I think she's the one that oh, I don't know. You're probably from it's it's a geekdom kind of dream for yeah and a hot I woman who's great with computers and all the rest of it. You know, she normalizes a lot of it as well because she isn't. She isn't extraordinary, you know, she's not a master marksman, she's not great with the fists. She's, you know, she's cracking behind the keyboard, but ultimately yeah. she's the most vulnerable member of the team. Oh, quite, gotcha. a, quite a few times she's wound up wound up in sticky situations, but she she's got the Cisco appeal, she's got the she always gets the funny one liners and she, the best thing about her is she is so inappropriate. The number of times she makes <laughs> double entendres and says just the completely wrong thing, and especially when she's trying to mask how she feels about Oliver and she's con they they put it I'm sure they put in some lines that you you wouldn't expect. I'm like I'm sure she's made a subtle reference to like, oh that's really hard or something like that. They, they, they've got she's a little got bit close to the bone that. pun intended. Yeah, they they do, do that a little bit and I, I still think it works. I think she's yeah, when you've got John Diggle and then and the way that's portrayed and then you've got her on the other side, if she wasn't there it just wouldn't work. Do you know what I mean? Because even be in that trio, wasn't it? yeah, and I think she no, lines it up quite well. And, there'd be no laughter. No, and I mean, and, I mean in season three, it kicks on that. with her, and they have the whole Felicity Smoke, you know, behind the Felicity Smoke or her background, and her mum comes into it, and an old boyfriend, and all that kind of oh, jazz. Her mum's brilliant, Mama Smoke, as they always yeah. call her. Charlotte yeah. Ross is brilliant. She is. She is really good. Um, she plays a bit like. If you ever watched the OC, the mother in that, yeah. who's also in a few other things, um, she plays a little bit like that. It's quite yeah, an interesting role. Ju- Julie, Julie Clark or Julia Clark? There you go. That's the shot. I think it's Julie. Yeah. Um, marries the the old neighbours guy, doesn't she? Makes a lot of money. Oh, see, now all I can think of him is Jim Robinson. That's a bit, yeah, but that's a bit of on your box, on the box kind yeah. of knowledge there, crossover. Bit of a meta um, reference, that. Exactly. Anyway, she plays a little bit like that, and I, I like those kind of cameos because they're cameos that work, and 
Um, I think we can't really talk about Brandon Routh's performance. No, um, that, that's getting a bit ahead of onwards. ourselves. Yeah, exactly. So, the, but he he works well as well in terms of you know you look at those actors that come into it. I think that's where you see season three kick on a little bit because it's starting to bring in a slightly higher caliber of of actor in smaller roles. Um, and and it, just, it, it lifts the, cast, the show. It, it just gets big every year, doesn't it? They just bolt on yeah. one or two regulars. Rather than flooding it with minor characters, they just put a couple of extra major characters on. But they've made it sort of, it's quite like a jigsaw, like when they take Sarah out, there's somebody else to come in. So if yeah. one of the main well, Thea goes, kind of steps up as well. You know, Thea's role is obviously the more prominent as it, it goes on. Um, and I Thea's think- now actually become my favourite. She's that's now cheap. my favourite fighter. Her fight scenes are by far the best. I don't yeah. know how much of it Willa Holland does. But I know she was doing, I think she was doing like boxing and martial arts training and stuff, which they've got to. Cause oh, it, God, it, yeah. It, you've got to be able to swing a punch without it being all wooden and it's all coming from your, from your, you know, well, straight Well, we said it, we said it with Jessica Jones, like, she can't run. Yeah. Like, the actress that plays her, I know I, I love the actress that plays her. Kristen she's Rick. great. Yeah. I think she's brilliant. Um, and she plays the, the dark, edgy, drunk, inappropriate, smoking, foul mouth, you know, um, person that she does. I was just wondering but, how far you were going to go with that. I know. Words. I know. I was going to keep trying. I was thinking <laughs> of my, dead, my Deadpool article and thinking of all the things I wrote in that. And she, she plays that out really well, but she doesn't, she can't run and she doesn't look realistic that she's got all these superpowers and super strength and, and can even fly for Christ's sake. Yeah, and she can't um, throw a punch. She seriously, exactly. Kristen Ritter cannot throw a punch. Exactly. And I think, you know, that's the only element that holds her back otherwise, because everyone else, obviously Deadpool, um, and not Deadpool in Daredevil, is just extraordinary tough that I actually have to do all those scenes. And it's a very different contrast to that. But yeah, you think with, with Arrow and, and, and with the Flash where they need to, um, all of the, the cast probably get put through the, you know, through the ringer and, and, and it does show. I think you, you touched on Paul. Blackthorn before. I think he's a good steady character to have he in the is. series. He, I, I was just surprised when he um, when I found out that he was English. And side note, he's apparently going out with Kaylee Cuoco, aka Penny from the Big Bang Theory. So he's instantly my hero. How the hell has he managed that? I don't know, but unless is that nickname, like a Billy Bob to Angelina Jolie kind of yeah? Kind you, of you, you're talking something like a 16, 17 year age gap. So gotta be whatever. All, Jesus the, all the know is he's definitely punching on that one. So fair play to him. He's forty-seven, right? Fucking he's forty-seven. Hell. They are older in the Big Bang than you ever think they are. Because yeah. I remember them being a lot older. But well, Jesus the, guy that, the guy that plays Sheldon, something like forty-four. <laughs> no. I think Jim Parsons is mid forties. The rest of them are sort of <laughs> they're in the thirties. They're in yeah. the thirties. But they've all been knocking around for years. Do you know what I mean? So it's well, like Jim Parsons has. He's been in a lot of things. Jim Parsons, I remember first discovering Jim Parsons and we're so off on a tangent, but we don't care. In Garden State, have you ever seen Garden State before? I've not. I've only seen him in one film. It was something Michelle wanted to watch. He plays He plays Garden State, right? Just to get this across, he plays in Garden State. He plays a full knight in armour and he's in what? from like a local children's kind of themed part, party kind of place. Um, and he comes in having slept with the main character's mother um, in this full night's gear to go to work and it's quite humorous. So that's when I discovered Jim Parsons. I've, I've seen him in one thing. Michelle likes uh, Matt Bomer. And Matt Bomer was in this really hard-hitting film from, I think, the early 2000s, and it was about AIDS 
uh, AIDS outbreak in the eighties, <laughs> and, and Jim Parsons, who is a who is an openly gay actor. Yes, he is. Yeah. He 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 was in that, and uh, Mark Ruffalo was also in it. Oh well, I might have to check it out then. Because anything it, it Mark Ruffalo is in is always very good. very 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 good. It was very hard hitting, very sort of right in the feels. But anyway, Christ knows how we got onto AIDS films. Um, well, to, you to know. go back to Slade, when you were saying yeah, about, I've got to um, talk about Slade about blood in the second season. The only yeah. thing that was good about him was that he was just being used as a smokescreen so that nobody was, knew that Slade was back in and town. And also the head of the, the who was the head of the corporation who kind of slept with Oliver to get the, the lead. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but she was also Some the kind of cover up and, and a front, do you know what I mean? So um, she did get injected and became a bit of a hard ass. How can you not the end. know Summer Glau's name? Well... Yeah, I don't know everyone's name, man. Jesus, she, we she, cover- she is sci-fi TV royalty. Okay, I'll I'll take your word for it, and I'll yes. I'll, I'll look it up and, and do some studying afterwards, uh, teacher. Right, um, <laughs> I think we I think we could cover more, but it's one of those things that it's it's an ongoing television series. I think like we did with the Flash, there's a lot that you can keep covering. But it trips into series three and series four and onwards. You know what I mean? When we, you know, and as it keeps kind of progressing. So I think when season falls up, we'll, we'll rediscover this pod and kind of discuss some more elements of it. I think with something like this and, and with the flash, I do really want feedback on it because with films, it's a little bit different for us because films we can really cover from my perspective, you know, the direction and, and, and the, the visuals, which we did a lot on the flash and fairness and all those kind of elements of it. Whereas TV is different because it's, it's split over multiple episodes and there's different themes and different actors that come and go. Um, so yeah, any kind of feedback and anyone who wants to be involved, we are always open to suggestions and, and guests as such. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's that's basically it. We we, we really do need a, a little bit more engagement from people. It's great fun talking to people now. We're really yeah, trying to yeah. get the to get more conversation going on Twitter. And we're, it does. We're, look, we're trying to get it onto some Facebook. really good conversation, and I do appreciate that. Harinda and Gags and um, and all our regulars, Joey and um, and Ali and and everyone else, Chris Erickson and stuff. There's some really good feedback and and really good contribution from those guys and we do genuinely appreciate it um and and joe cozzy as well and stuff and i think it just helps from our perspective because we like to know what people like do you know what i mean like from my perspective i'm crying out to do um scott pilgrim's podcast but we might have our listenership then because i don't know if anyone's that interested if we go down to to three i think which game over exactly and i just don't know if anyone's listening to me you know interested in listening to me rattle on as I will, because I'm, I'm just absolutely monumentally huge fan. Um, but if we do that and we are talking about different pod ideas and we're going to do some face off Civil War style pods and, um, Batman versus Superman review after we do Deadpool review, which is coming up really soon. There's, there's endless possibilities for us, but we're also welcome to lots of ideas and, and lots of suggestions. Um, so yeah, we are really appreciating all the efforts and we are, you know, 11 pods in. So we're going strong. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm trying to be a bit of a social media whore for us. So we're we're on Facebook dot uh, com slash AI Comic Pod. We are obviously at AI Comic Pod uh, on Twitter, and we've recently launched the Tumblr page as well. We, we wanted a, a little blog site that we can put 
reviews and articles and stuff on, so we're not yeah. bound by the character limit. So that's aicomicpod.tumblr.com. I might be getting us a domain soon to make it a little bit easier to reference. Check us out. Just Global domination. Yeah, we might be AI Comic Pod for the tune of seven ninety nine a year. So that's when you know you've hit the big time. You you do know you've hit hit, hit the small time, but you know we'll we'll, we'll make it one day. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll we'll make it work. We always do. Yeah, we do, we do, and we do appreciate all of it. We we are loving still doing this. It's, it's a great thing that we do. Um, and yeah, thanks very much for listening again. Yeah, we'll catch you next time, everyone. Thank you very much. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusion Supply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.